You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Evening. Mason Stiver. Hey, guys. Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Tony Rochette. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Bill Hull. Hey, hello, everybody. Hey, welcome, everybody. All right. Well, here we go. We uh, are a week away from NIS. And uh, so let's get right to it. It's a busy week. Uh, Bill, let's get to learn a little bit about you. Uh, you've recently joined Tafosi Racing. Uh, and... So let's get our interview questions going. Uh, let first tell us about what brought you to iRacing and how did you first hear about it? So I've, I first heard about iRacing immediately after uh, NASCAR 2003. Their, their future looked kind of bleak. Um, I thought Arca Sim Racing was going to be the, the future for that. But, uh, you know, read a little bit about iRacing and... and followed it and signed up for the updates and things and then and then tried it out and realized to uh, realize that was going to be the future for sim racing so uh you know definitely definitely look forward to many more years with that sim for sure all right you've been around, around a while you're on the nine year mark with i racing that's a a long while uh that's only a, a year uh short of the longest which is 10 i believe <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. It's been a lot of ups and downs, but uh, boy, has it is it changed over the years, and I, I think it keeps changing for the better. So that's that's good news for all of us. All right, well, let's talk about what's going on now in 2019. How often are you racing, and uh, you know what series are you normally running? So I, I literally just got back into it. I took a little bit of a a hiatus for a while. Um, I racing wasn't wasn't getting my full attention as a small business owner. So I put the, the wheel and the game away for a little while and uh, just got back into it in 2019. So my son, 16 year old son is joining me as well. So that, that makes it fun too. All right. Very good. Um, and, and so what series are you planning on running here as season starts? Uh... So for the first time I'm going to run NIS um, I definitely want to do that. And, uh, you know, definitely some, some leagues. I, I do some of the B C class opens. Um, but league racing is, is really of interest to me. I, I like the point tracking and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, definitely going to give NIS a, a try this year. All right. Very good. And, uh, you're on the right team for that. Uh, tell us about what you're doing with the leagues then. Yeah, so right now uh, I'm kind of new to OBRL, so I've been been this this is my first week in there. Um, kind of got off to a, a bang of a start, but uh, another league I race in is is WSRL um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So my week is busy, and uh, with baseball kicking back in, I, I won't have any weekends. So I have to stick to just uh, just weekday racing. All right, very good. I was just looking at your profile, and 
Your winning percentage, your overall career oval percentage, 8.3%. That's actually really high. Uh, so good job on that. Uh, top five, 31%. You finish in the top five. Uh, looks like you're an oval person. What about your road skills? Yeah, I haven't found those yet. Um, <laughs> I, I hope to one day be able to find those. But, you know, when the Roval came out a few weeks ago, uh, actually last year, I'm sorry. Um, you know, that that was fun. And I got, I got a handle on that one. But uh, you get me in a road race, you're asking for trouble. All right, very good. Let's talk about um, what kind of hardware do you have? Wheels and pedals and like how many monitors, third-party software? Yeah, so I, I just did like a major overhaul. Um, I, I Right now, I kind of feel like DW hopping back in a cup car. So uh, I, I had a Logitech G25 for years, just upgraded to a Fanatec kit with the load cell. I uh, just did some triples, Dell 27 triples and um sim racing apps i made my own personal button box which gosh i've been wanting to do that for years and uh starting to experiment with z1 a little bit uh i i kind of offload that to an android tablet that i have connected so uh right now i'm in information overload using all of this stuff but uh hope to master it here quickly yeah eye candy as i call it um Lots of times when you're racing, you don't really need it except for just a couple little tidbits of information. Usually it's fuel, how many laps in the run. That's really important to me. And then obviously temperature. Yeah, so I made the mistake of moving my relative F3 screen to my side monitor. Thought that was real cool in practice. And uh, got in a race and realized that was not a good idea. Yeah, you almost need to see that. Like if somebody's coming up on you or or somebody's falling through the field, uh, you want to kind of see that on that relative, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought having the extra screen space would help me get a lot more information in front of me. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it's got to be right in front of you. So uh, making some adjustments, tweaking some things, and should be ready to rock and roll by the time NIS kicks off. Okay, and uh, boy, triple 27s, that's that's a sweet spot, I'm telling you. That's what I got. And uh, if you get the angles right, you got a true 180 peripheral vision. Um, how do you like the triple setup? I really like it. Uh, the biggest thing that I have to get used to is that when there is a car to the right of me, it's not immediately to the right of me, so I'm trying to get used to that right side view. But, uh, man, nothing beats that that field of, of view that you have with triples by any means. Yeah, you got to remember it's peripheral vision, you know. It's not meant for you to turn your head and look at it, you know. It's supposed to be out of the corner of your eye. Yeah, that takes some getting used to for sure. All right, very good. Uh, and then final question, what's your most memorable racing moment? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been in it so long I can't think of anything specific, but... Uh, Recently, I have let my 16-year-old join me on this return to iRacing, and uh, it's been kind of interesting trying to teach him that, yeah, you get in a wreck, you, you can't stop on the front stretch because there's real people behind you that are still racing. So uh, with him just getting his learner's permit and driving us around town and stuff like that, I actually think it's a good tool to teach him patience and reaction time and 
and how to adapt to, to having others on the road with you. So uh, he's enjoying it and wants to do it as much as he can. And uh, I think that's a good father son thing to do for sure. Should tell that to other people in NIS. <laughs> yeah, I am keeping him in uh, private hosted practices at the moment. And uh, once once he shows me that he can, he, he's getting it. But w once I understand he's he's got the respect part down, you know, I'll, I'll probably let him accelerate his license a little bit. There you go. Pick up cup, man, every day. All right. Well, uh, welcome, Bill Hull, to the team, Tifosi. Uh You're going to help us out with some social media tasks as well. We've been talking about that. So welcome. We're happy to have you and, and uh, race with you uh, here in the NIS season. Uh, let's jump to topics. But first, uh, let's talk about our uh, sponsorship of the Old Bastards Racing League. Uh, we sponsor their Monday Night ARCA series. It was another huge field uh, showed up for the Iowa race. 40 drivers qualified for the pole with Richard Springer topping the field. Only two cautions in a 120-lap race. Vernon Marheim gained 33 spots after starting 40th, winning the Hard Charger Award. Steve Thompson led 51 laps, winning the race with his nemesis Kevin Rupert second, Chris Monroe third. The racers showed great racecraft throughout the entire race. Uh, so what do you guys think? Who was, who ran this? Chris? Me, me and Chris ran it with, uh, Bill there and, uh, Justin was in it. All right. So how did we, uh, do, uh, Justin Laird, he finished 10th, uh, Chris finished 22nd, but no incident points. And, uh, Hectus finished 29th after ser serving a green flag pass-through penalty. Greg made the first round of the chase for the iRacers Lounge Championship. I started back there with Vernon with the, the EOL, but I wasn't fast enough to get to the front. I was pretty miserable most of the race. It was a good, it was a lot of fun though. I was a fun track to race on. And boy, what what's with the cautions disappearing? Um, it was just three or four weeks ago. There was like a bunch of cautions, and now Iowa, I kind of would expect a bunch. Well, and the cautions is what cost me my race, but you know, bad call on a penalty cost me my race, but. Uh, I'm looking forward to going in after this championship, though, taking it to these guys since I'm going in as the leader of it, but the points get reset now for the first race. Oh, okay. NASCAR style, right? Yeah, so it goes 12, 8, and then 4. So after the first race, it eliminates 4 from the top 12 and then further down till last uh, race. Yep, next week is Kansas for the start of the three-round playoff for a chance at 100 bucks. All right, if you guys want to get involved with OBRL, their website is oldbastardsracing.com. So check that out. They have all kinds of different series. I ran with them on Wednesday night in the truck series and finished uh, a record dead last, guys. I got collected in the first caution. I could I actually had it missed, and another guy behind me just overcooked it in there. He didn't break enough, and this killed us all. Isn't that weird? Like, like you said, we had uh, Iowa... Uh, a couple cautions, super clean race, and then you have the trucks at Phoenix, and you would think <laughs> that that's going to be the clean race, and that's the one that was caution-filled. Yeah, Bill Hull, you had a bad race uh, in your first show in there. Yeah, don't want to really talk about it, because it, I think I put so much pressure on myself to, to do good that I uh, ended up going in the opposite direction. <laughs> kind of sounds like me from the Monday night, eh, Bill? Yeah, well, I guess you had a, you had your work 
cut out for you there, but uh, Monday night I came in 16th, and it was, you know, it's just a hard track to pass on, Iowa was, so, but it was, it was fun. Actually, before we're off that topic, too, uh, Mike, for the old bastards, uh, I want to thank Bobby, too, for coming in, and uh, he was helping me out with some strategy calls there, trying to figure out how we could get to the field. I was up to 15th, but we just made the wrong fuel strategy call, and just couldn't uh, recover from it. Yep, yep. All right, very good. Let's jump to topics. Um, picking up where we left off last week with the peak draft. Uh, they had done it on the Wednesday. We recorded on Thursday, and they announced it on Friday. And so we got the video on YouTube uh, from Friday of the announcement of the peak uh, draft. And it was a nice uh, uh, presentation, I thought. Uh, I think Race Spot helped with it. Uh, they had, you know, pictures of the drivers, uh, faces, as well as their cars and paint jobs, uh, when it was announced and which team, you know, would, would, each team would make their pick and the driver would come up and, and, uh, I thought it was a nice video. What'd you guys think? I did catch the end of it, uh, as it was being shown, but I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I, I listened to it there and, uh, that, that broadcast team does a great job. Um, building the excitement, and uh, it is also nice having all of the iRacing big dogs in there uh, reading off the draft. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of neat to have uh, iRacing staff kind of involved in the actual announcement of the name. Uh, let's talk about the results. Uh, there was a draft order, and the teams went in that order, and then so they would pick from the available group of drivers, and so I'm going to read them in order. Wood Brothers, Ray Alfala was picked first. Ryan Michael Luza second. He went to Flipside Tactics. Michael Conti third, Junior Motorsports. Bobby Zelensky fourth, G2 Esports. And then Logan Clampett fifth, Joe Gibbs. Jarl Taheen Williams Esports. Jimmy Mullis, the first pick for Burton Kligerman. And then Keegan Leahy, the first pick for JTG Daughtery Racing. Boyer Racing's first pick, Zach Novak. Roush Racing picked Garrett Lowe. Richmond Racing picked Brian Schoenberg. Renegade's first pick, Matt Busa. And then they go into the second picks from there. And I'm not going to read all of those, but uh, it was interesting. Uh, it it kind of matched up to, if you remember... Another guy did a uh, mock draft uh, a couple days prior to that where he guessed uh, who was going to get pick who. He actually picked 20% correct uh, as far as the actual order, but as, as far as who would get drafted versus who would, he was 87% correct. So that guy knew what he was doing. I forget his name. Um, Nicholas Morris is who it was who did the mock draft. Well, after that uh, draft was over, we had a lot of social media activity. Of course, Junior Motorsports uh, putting up pictures of the of their cars, the eight and the eighty-eight. Michael Conti and Brad Davies, uh, who they ended up with. Uh, Nick Ottinger t uh, got to Twitter uh, and and said he had a conversation with the uh, JTG Racing about uh, their involvement. You know, with the team. Um, Ray Alfala and Chris Overland were on uh, Twitter as well. They actually put up an old picture of them from several years ago where they were actually at the Woods Brothers car at a Daytona race uh, and had their picture taken with it. 
and now they're driving for that same team, which is kind of interesting. Uh, karma. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. I like yeah. that, that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, five, four years ago, he's, you know, at a race and gets his picture taken with that 21 car, and now he's the driver of the 21 car. Uh, what else? Um, JRM Motorsports actually put up an article on their website at jrmracing.com about uh, Michael Conti and Brad Davies and, and basically giving them a little bit of history um, of how what their racing history is as well as JRM's motor, motorsports history in sim racing because uh, they, they've been around a while. Uh, they started uh, obviously with Dale Jr. back in the day. Uh, Logan Clampett put up a, a picture of his finished paint job with the Burton Kligerman Esports. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we had, uh, without announcement or fanfare, a uh, race. The Peak Antifreeze iRacing Series, they called it The Dash. And it was on Tuesday night, and I actually watched it on YouTube Live. And uh, it was a good race. It was a typical Daytona. There were so, a couple big wrecks uh, that took out a bunch of cars. Uh, I think the interesting thing was, I think there were only 34 cars out of the 40 showed up. Uh, for example, Joe Gibbs Racing didn't show up for this race, and, I, and we don't know why. I haven't heard any commentary why that team did not participate in this event. But, uh, Mason, tell us about the car number thing that you noticed. Yeah, um, all their paint schemes there, they had a lot of test paint schemes, so like the flat black or the flat color um, with no numbers on it, so it made it really hard to watch, but I understand why they did it, because it was supposed to mock be a test session. Um, but they're testing, uh, this is from Steve Meyer's Twitter page, um, someone asked why there was, if, or if there will be a hide car number feature for us regular people in the next build, and he does confirm that this will be in the March build for hosted racing, so they were testing that out. Um, with the peak guys. So I was talking about this with Bill earlier, and do you guys think this means that we're going to have to redo our paints to have a, a different paint for official versus a different paint for unofficial? Because if the paint, if if the number is gone, we have to paint our own number in, right, on the paint. I wonder if those have a checkbox. Because the, the other thing is it'll be like, because that would be like the team part for teams or trading paints then. So you'd have another box to add the that paint scheme in for when you go into a hosted session, I guess. Right. I don't know how that's going to be uh, actually presented to us as users. I think that's unknown at this point. But it, obviously they're working on it because it's in this peak race. The thing is, is how does that track in the relative? Does it just have a name then? No number, nothing? No, it has their, well, at least in the peak race, it had their number. It okay. just wasn't on the car. But I just hope it's a checkbox. It's that easy. I hope so. So is it because the, like, I'm trying to wrap my head around why it's a huge deal. I'm guessing it's because people, some people don't like the fonts that are available and they want to make their own then? Well, like the Wood Brothers car, for example, the 21, you know, they have a certain font, and that's not a font available in normal iRacing, and they probably require it or whatever, but it's part of the deal with NASCAR. That's why we're probably seeing this. Wouldn't it be easier just to add that number font into iRacing? Well, yeah. Like, remember the old Ray Abraham motorsports cars with their nine that had, like, the 
the, the little hash at the end. Slant. Yeah, the little hashes yeah. that come out the back or the top. Yeah, I guess you could do that now, probably. Well, you might be able to do that now. All right, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, it was a good race. Um, I, I don't even remember who won it, but I did watch uh, the announcing and the presentation uh, by the broadcast was really good. I put it up on the big screen, and it was like watching a real NASCAR race. Uh, is it Tyler or Taylor Hurst? Which, which Taylor other? Hurst, is that yeah, it? Yeah, that's who won it. You know, I think he led most of the race, too, the what I noticed was the outside lane wasn't working very well, and and nobody would commit to it. Uh, there were a couple times that Keegan Leahy and some others would kind of go up there, you know, when there was three or four to go, and then they would just fall back because nobody would go with them, and, and everyone was chicken and just would stay in line on the bottom. And so it, it really is telling for what's going to happen next week in the 500 you know, uh, is the second lane going to work? Or is everyone going to be committing to the bottom? And if that's the case, then that means you need track position before the end. Uh, next thing that happened during all of this was kind of a controversy. It is a controversy uh, that kind of came up. Apparently, during the uh, peak presentation of the draft, uh, a team or teams uh, that are associated with peak drivers were broadcasting on Twitch uh, their reaction to the draft as it was happening and somebody had a twitch up and on that twitch was a verbally a one of the peak drivers that was getting drafted and he and I'm not going to say a name because I don't think this is a big deal um, if you guys really want to know you can figure it out but I don't think it's a big deal and it, and it should have been dropped immediately he did say a comment in an offhand remark uh, he did not know that he was on a Twitch stream that was being streamed. Uh, the guy who was streaming told him that the, the moment the comment was said. Um, it was said in jest. It was in good humor. Uh, it wasn't malicious or, or mean or nasty in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion, after seeing the video in question. Um, and so after uh, some days or two, uh, the said driver did uh, issue apology on social media, uh, Twitter, you know, Facebook kind of thing, um, and uh, also indicated that he would not be racing until the Las Vegas race. So that means uh, no race during Daytona, no race during Atlanta. Uh, so that means he's been suspended. By whom? We don't know. Did iRacing suspend him from peak for two weeks? Or was it the sponsor? Or was it the team that he's associated with? And yes, this is one of the, uh, say, top 10 peak drivers that was drafted uh, last week. Uh, apparently, a comment uh, was deemed politically incorrect uh, that was said, and uh, we're going to leave it at that. What are your guys' reactions? We actually talked about this throughout the week, about if we would even talk about this story we actually decided not to, but then once once the driver got suspended, we felt like we needed to cover it. Am I allowed to retort with something politically incorrect? Absolutely. Gay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not happy about the result either. Why, who's doing the suspending? They shouldn't have done it. It's not worthy of a suspension. In, in this politically correct world, it's the thing to do right now, but it's still bullshit. The worst part is we got to treat everything with kid gloves and everybody's got to be you know held for their actions but you know if you ever uh, you know this statement that was put out was very pr like it wasn't you know it, i don't 
I don't know about you guys, but I don't believe Logan had some part of it, but that was not Logan's writing. That was nothing from his... I don't know the guy personally, but I don't think that he politically wrote that whole thing there to make sense to it. It was, you know, it was help to make that, but um, you can't be... Uh, with, with Twitch and all that stuff, the problem is, is we don't know when people go live and, and to hold somebody accountable for something like that, it, it, it's starting this whole roller coaster of things where, you know, you want these people to be personalities, but then once you tame their personality and then what are they going to do? I think it just let to be a lesson to everybody else just to get your team chatter off of streams just to be safe. Because if you, if you put it out, anything you put on the internet, somebody could grab. So don't give it a chance to ruin your life and just don't have it there. See, we had this conversation on our messenger because I leave my, our team speak on my, on my streams. But the reason I leave my team speak on my streams is because I look at all the other ones when that guy's talking, you have no idea, no context of what he's talking to. It's kind of annoying to see someone talk and not know what he's answering to from somebody on the other side. That's why I leave mine up. Like, there's a lot of conversations we have in there. You know what? I, I don't know what the difference is. You know, if you don't want to, people say things, but they, you know, technically, if you say it, you're bought, you you know, you sometimes really, at some point, you meant it. Not in the fact that you, at, the, at that moment, you might have quickly meant it, but you weren't thinking, but there's a reason you said it. Well, it's not a problem. Like, with the, most things get taken out of context and and that's that's the huge problem um so what if you said it so what if you what if you meant it but it's probably not in the context that somebody else uh heard it and that that's where the problem is um i i like i i put the whole i put our team chat on on my stream as well and i do that because i figure you know people that are watching me have heard me on the on the podcast and why not let them get in on some of the um, the stuff the that fun. we talk? Yeah, the fun, the stuff that we talk talk about and goof around with when we're we're not recording the podcast. I think it's a real neat dynamic. Um, but <laughs> and I I am most definitely politically incorrect on 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 the streams and stuff because I got to be the other way with my real job. Um, it's just it's getting too far i mean everybody's gonna have to talk like they're you know back in the in the 50s uh on a tv show or a movie it's just you know everything's just gonna sound so canned from now on it's a shame it really is um i'm disappointed that iRacing decided that they had to do this or whoever decided it might have been nascar as far as we know i mean we really don't know it could be peak it could be uh the team he's with, Burton Kligerman. I mean, who knows? But somebody set him down for two weeks. If it was NASCAR, that's not something NASCAR normally would do, which would be un, you know, because they they like the personalities. I mean, I don't think NASCAR's ever had to deal with an on-air, like politically racial comment like that yet. But I don't think NASCAR would take a driver out of a seat for that long. I know Kyle Busch got in trouble years ago when he you know, went after the officials using gestures towards the officials, but not anything like this bad where you take a guy out for two weeks. But I know our iRacing is a little bit less than the sponsors and stuff that are in NASCAR and what's being paid there. It's a minor comment. I mean, we got to take it in context, like Tony said. 
And uh, yeah, like Tony said, gay, uh, not cool. Uh, let the boy race, you know, that's what I say. Anyway, uh, disappointed also with some of the drivers, other iRacers, who called this guy out, who uh, highlighted this to the community that this is a problem and he should be banned and blah, 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 blah. And those people uh, should be ashamed of themselves for really trying to rile this up into into a liberal left topic kind of thing. And that's exactly what happened. If If those drivers hadn't have done that, the NASCAR and the team and all these people wouldn't have even known about it. And it was a, it was a very innocent thing that should have just been let, been let go. And, but uh, people wouldn't let it go. And that's why it, it dragged out to where it is. But it's a shame that we're right before the 500. We're right before the peak season. And we're talking about something that's not related to the racing. And uh, it's something that NASCAR has struggled with in 2018. And here we are struggling with as we go to our season. Okay, Tony Rochette, updated Daytona. Yeah, apparently in the forums on the same uh, draft day uh, forum topic, uh, Jordan Tensil uh, wrote, given the image from the broadcast, can you confirm an updated Daytona in terms of the new stadium seating? And Alex Horn uh, chimed in and said, yes, it will be up before the first peak race at Daytona, which is next uh, Tuesday. Nice. So I wonder if that's, that can't be a full rescan. They're just redoing the grandstands, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm taking uh, as it is. Um, I've been waiting three years for the brand new grandstands to come out. Yeah, yes. it's been out for a while. It would be just a back, back, you know, background redesign, right? Yeah, just that one piece. They just have to do the front grandstands. That's what's changed, right? Yeah, and um, I don't know if uh, I can't remember if the back grandstands are. Still in the the current Daytona or not? But those no, I think they yanked them. Those should be taken out too. Right. All right. So let's look for that. That's coming up soon. That's next week, guys. So, uh, so when are they actually going to release it, I don't know. But it says it'll be there in time for that race. All right, Mason Chili Bowl on iRacing. Yeah, this one uh, kind of went under the radar on iRacing with all the the peak talk, but um, the Chili Bowl was held through RaceBot TV, and uh, I saw a tweet by Kevin Swindell, so I popped it on here, and it looks like he had uh, um, a couple of his drivers up in the top 10 at the end of that race. Uh, Cole Cabaret won the race, but uh, his driver, Chase Cabaret, and uh, finished third, and Adam Elby, also another Swindell Speed Lab driver, finished 10th, uh, so it was cool to see them uh, in that race. The winner... Um, which was Cole Cabret, um, wa- uh, w- was offered $800 in hardware by Thrustmaster. So that's pretty cool. And nice. then uh, other notables up front was also Alex Bergeron, who we've uh, heard about a lot with the dirt. And uh, Casey Kerwin, uh, former Peak Jar, was in that. And Zach Leonhardi, uh, one of our former winners there in the dirt, was in that race as well and finished in the top 10. Big heavy hitters. I mean, that's a who's 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 list, right? That's for sure. All right, very cool. Uh, Chris, uh, button box beta test. It looks like um, Derek Spear, who makes um, all kinds of badass button boxes, dashes, pretty much anything you need for sim racing. He uh, posted on the forums a new tool to test your button boxes and controllers and all that good stuff. Um, you can find it. Um, in the forums, probably if you look for uh, the DSD button bonanza, 
or you could just go to his um, website, DerekSpearDesigns.com, and look for the download link. Um, you'll have to grab you this, Brent. You got that brand new badass spear box coming. Yeah, when that King LED gets here, we'll uh, we'll give this a shot. Should be at the end of the month. Yeah, I haven't tried the software. It is a downloadable and executable. Uh, but Derek Spears is uh, well known for button box, and if he puts out software, it's got to be something worth checking out if you have a button box. Uh, uh, Mark Crooks, also on this thread, reminded us of a website that we've talked about in the past I want to bring up real quick. It works the same way without the download, but it's called HTML5GamePad.com. And if you go to HTML5GamePad.com and you push any button you have, it will register on that website and show you as you're pushing your which one it is and all that. I just tried that. It shows up all my buttons for my wheel and stuff. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So if you're into buttons, check it out. You got to have the, the tools to go with it. All right, Tony Groves, dirty bug. <laughs> yeah, this uh, definitely a bit of a dirty bug. Um, I was posted up on the forums of a driver tried to deliberately black flag himself by passing the entire field twice under caution over the final two laps of the race, which were obviously under caution. Um, but uh, instead of a black flag, it awarded him the win. Now, people might be thinking like, hey, there's an easy way to get a win. Um, Nim Cross quickly uh, chimed in on the forums and said that uh, the fellow that, that pulled this is no longer able to cause such an issue again. As most know, there are some things that you can do to unfairly destroy or cheat a race. If that happens, then send a protest and the driver may not pay in that result, but they will be penalized or removed from the service. This issue has already been addressed and because of this behavior and past issues, the driver has been removed from the service. How badly do you want that win? He's probably <laughs> sitting with Logan Clampett. Uh, okay. So, Too soon? Yeah. All right, we missed one. Greg, uh, tell us about the release notes for from January 31st. So they, uh, there was a quick update, I guess, um, and a lot of it was just some things that they were fixing, but uh, most notably... The uh, beta UI had an update to it, but it was none of it was for the user functionality. It was just the behind the scenes work. Uh, so not much uh, on the beta UI front was changed at this point. Okay. Yeah. So we had a release with no release notes. And so that is why is because it didn't affect the user apparently. So do they don't have to put out release notes, I guess. But we're so used to it, and then when it doesn't show up, everyone's like, why, why, where is it? All right, Chris Scales, VR headset numbers. Uh, yeah, next was uh, Blake Gordon posted on the forums. Um, he's about to jump into VR, and he was wondering if the the Rift was still worth buying, or if maybe you should look into one of the other headsets. And um, it prompted a, a post from David Tucker on the forums. He doesn't have official numbers on it, but he estimates that 5% of our users are using VR. I think if the resolution went up and the hassle factor went down, that could potentially grow to 30 to 40% of our users. We like VR and see it as a great fit for iRacing, and, and really racing is one of the best use cases for VR, which uh, I totally agree. Uh, racing and flight sims, I, I can't imagine 
anything better. But it sounds like um, I'm actually kind of surprised that number wasn't a little bit higher. Well, and that's why I brought this up because I don't think we know what the number is for VR users in iRacing. I think we had that poll a few weeks ago, but the, it said, what do you use? But I think that was more of a popularity contest more than it was a a real poll. And so I think it was skewed. And so to have somebody from iRacing who actually is an expert on it to say, hey, 5% is a good you know, estimated guess, he's probably right. It might be a little higher than that, but I don't think it's higher than it where we think it is, like in 30 per 40%. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same for all headsets, but when I launch the Rift, it kind of launches a little bit differently than other thing, you know, anything else you're using iRacing if you're just using a monitor. So I bet they probably have pretty much an exact number. I imagine that same thing triggers across headsets. So that's that's probably about all that's using. Like I said, it's kind of surprising to me. Well, on our team alone, I think the number is higher. I think we got maybe 30, 40% of our guys are actually on VR, but I don't think that's how it is across iRacing. I really don't. Yeah, I think um, if, I was, if I was still on a single, I, it would it, it'd be a, a real easy decision to grab one of those Lenovo's, I think, for 100 bucks. Just kind of answer that guy's question. But man, if I was trying to make a decision and was going to spend some more money to get rough, I think I'd go with a cheap headset and and wait a, another year or so for some of those 4 and 5K headsets to get a little bit cheaper. Well, those right. Lenovo's are kind of probably bringing some of those numbers up too, right? Like it's a lot more accessible to get in with with those the price point on that. I would think so. I haven't heard any complaints about them other than the, the resolution is just um, a little bit worse than Oculus, I guess, and obviously not as good as Samsung and some of the others. But if resolution is that big of a deal for you, you're probably not wanting to go VR anyway. Justin's been using it, and he has not said anything. And he had a well; he's been racing really good with it. So obviously, it's not hurting him. Kicking my butt <laughs> in my rift. Yeah, he hasn't had any complaints. That's for sure. So. All right, next up, uh, we got a major write-up in automobilemag.com, which is a uh, mainstream magazine called Automobile, Automobile, about the Mazda Hot Lap Challenge that happened uh, last week uh, down there uh, at Daytona. And uh, Logan Clampett actually won that event. He was there in person uh, to race in the finale. And this story is a long format story that talks about, um, basically his history of, as well as, uh, what happened during that particular event. Uh, it also talks about the uh, competitor, uh, that he was up against, uh, mayor, uh, was his name. Um, and, uh, they were really close and they had two rigs set up side by side with triples and had a race and, uh, he beat him. So pretty cool, uh, cool to see the pictures uh, up close. Uh, the rigs they have set up there in the Mazda uh, booth were pretty nice, actually. Yeah, they actually go on to talk about how Clampett is actually going to race in April at uh, VIR Raceway. So that should be interesting to hear how that goes. Yeah, that's uh, what he won Yeah, for winning the event. There's another reason he's got to save face, too. He's got a bunch of things his, that his PR been doing for public relations here with stuff, eh? All right. Uh, Mason, Road to Pro update. 
Yeah, I'm excited to hear about this finally. I'm looking forward to Road, Road to Pro this year. Um, so we got an update on the 6th from Tyler Hudson uh, saying uh, Road to Pro is going to be 13 weeks beginning in March, ending in October. The top 20 overall in points at the end of the season may be invited to compete in the NASCAR Pro Series, which will run October to January. Um, the Road to Pro is using the, the trucks, the Toyota and the Chevy. And the time slot is Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern or Wednesdays 1 o'clock GMT. Um, Splitted by I rating. There will be one drop week. And uh, the incident limit is going to be 17. Um, anybody from the A license class is uh, invited to participate. And we have a link here with the schedule. Um, Texas, Martinsville, Atlanta. Dover, Charlotte, Chicagoland, Iowa, Daytona, um, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, Pocono, Bristol, Vegas, and finally Homestead, Miami. So uh, there's a there's also a PDF put up uh, that that describes all the rules and procedures. It does not list one drop week, but I did ask Tyler Hudson, and he said he will change it. The uh, I'm guessing that each week it follows on. That's the track that the actual trucks are participating at. The way that this looks. It's uh, every other week, basically, but it's opposite the peak race. So the peak race races on Tuesday every other week, and then this event will be opposite that. I can't wait, man. It's going to be fun to race those, to try that again. It's nice to see that it's only an A license now, though. This is a unique event in iRacing because there's one start a week, or every two weeks, I should say. One start. One start. And I assume it's it's open sets and not fixed set. Yeah, open. I they encourage you. Uh, yeah, this is the same as last year. I encourage everybody to do this. Even if you're not on the road to pro and you don't have the I rating, do it anyway because a lot of people will run this event. And when you get a lot of people, you get a lot of splits. And then you end up racing people that are matched to you and it ends up being a good race with lots of people. So, yeah, get in there, guys. Go do it. Yeah, I remember running uh, the first uh, Road to Pro last year, and they had the glitch with uh, the single-file restarts. I remember that, because we, we kind yeah. of thought that was just the way it was going to be. <laughs> we yeah, it was just some screw-up. Does anybody find it weird that they said you may be invited to the peak? It's legal mumbo-jumbo giving them the right to say, hey, uh, you know, you've had problems in the past with with language or you know suspensions and we're not going to have you i'm sure there's going to be a scenarios like that but you don't think that there's uh another hidden thing there with what we've been talking about on our messengers you know what the peak's going to look like in year two after the nascar has been there who knows i mean what are they going to do in year two they're going to do another draft and and then uh, some other team gets ray alfala and he's bouncing from team to team to team i mean I don't get it. That's going to have to be cleared up, I guess, as we get through this or, you know, wait till the next season, I guess, because, but it, I can't see that happening. Yeah. And if you read through this road to pro series forum, um, it does talk about the peak series in here and about how the teams, uh, like the former teams, um, like the slip angle motorsports and whatnot, um, are going to fare with the draft that just happened. So I didn't read through it all. I saw that was talked about, so that might be something we can talk about at a later time. Yeah, from what I can gather, what I've seen, 
the the original team structures haven't changed. If they're still on slip angle motorsports, they're still working with those team members, even if they're associated with one of these other NASCAR teams, uh, marketing wise. And so that's the way it's going right now. Well, they wouldn't want to change that. Like, imagine if you were working with a team and that's how it got you where you were, and then all of a sudden they want to switch and. You know, it's like taking away your all your crew members or something, and then it's like, okay, how am I supposed to do what I was doing? Why you drafted me? But to the, to the point, point, I mean, you got these big teams and names involved. Are they going to want to take it to the next level so they're winning? You know, are they going to want to invest and want their guys to be working together? You know. But maybe that's where they're trying to. It's a feeling out process, and they're feeling out the guys that he that's part of it, and maybe they take people like that and work it with engineers and things like that down the road. It's very up in the air, I think, about how that's all going to play out. I don't think anybody knows, especially the drivers participating. I don't think they even know. But that just makes it such a fascinating year to see where this grows to. All right. Uh, next up, Tony Groves. We got a patch number four. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Um, patch came out and uh, we'll just hit on a couple of couple of things here. Um One's got to do with pit stops. They updated specific road car wings. Uh, they're attached during pit stop repairs before. I don't know, even know what the hell this means. Um, it, they're talking about when, like you're getting your repairs done. When does the wing appear again? Like if you had knocked the wing off and they're going to put it back on, it'll do it now at the appropriate time during the repair instead of all at once. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've ever even drove a car with a wing, so that's probably why I was confused. Um, they also uh, took the clutch away from the Dirt Late model and the UMP modified. And at the Daytonas, they updated the uh, slowdown checkpoints in the hairpin. Um, you guys want to know any more about this patch? Uh, go check out the forums. They got the whole write-up list. That was, I guess, the, the best takeaways from this this patch. And there's there's one more that, that I kind of popped in there at the last second. The member site has been updated with the ability to select uh, to use the dynamic sky when creating a hosted session and when using the test panel, exclamation point. All right. So that means that thing that was in the beta that you could only do in the beta, you can now do on the website. And so you don't restrict it to using the beta only. They finally heard us about that. A lot, if you recall, we've talked about the beta a lot in the last few weeks, and and this was a big deal for the people making hosted sessions and stuff. They had to use the beta UI, and now they won't have to. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Um, there are some other updates to connectivity, fixing bugs there, and some race control updates um, about checkpoints in, in the track. So, And the uh, heat racing got a little bit of a bug fix, too. So just... just tweaking on a little bit and fixing the known bugs all right tony rochette 12 hours of sebring hey tony do you want me to take this one since i'm going to hit up our teams for this uh 20 12 hours for sebring yeah go right ahead that's when i go on vacation so um they just put up the reminder here um drew adamson put it up about the uh 24 hours of sebring it's going to be held on uh saturday or friday night at 8 p.m on March 1st, uh, Eastern Standard Time, 1 o'clock on Saturday, Greenwich Mean Time. And time slot 2 will be 1300 Greenwich Mean Time Saturday, the 2nd of March, and Saturday at 8 a.m. 
Eastern. Um, license is, needs a D 4.0 road. Um, the time of this is going to be a 10 a.m. start in the sim for the weather. Um, so it'll be 10 to 10. Um, normal stuff, 30-minute warm-up, attached uh, solo, 8-minute two-lap qualifying, 12-hour race, dynamic weather, uh, splits by I-rating, and it's a team event. Um, and uh, incident limits is two to be determined again for some reason. I don't know if we've seen a... A different thing, a field size of 55. Has anyone seen the incident limit uh, thing yet? I'm willing to bet it's lower. I wonder if it's half of what they were for the 24 hours. I think they got what they wanted with the Daytona one by having only, what was it, one team got disqualified? Yep. All so right. So I wonder, wonder if it's like 150 maybe. So we got a car for this planned? Yeah, we'll... Uh, I don't know if we're we'll see depending on how what guys want to do here. Um, I'll create a spreadsheet and we'll see what guys want to do. But uh, hopefully we can get two cars maybe going. I don't know if we want to just stay the GTEs instead of going to Daytona prototypes. But we'll see what the guys want to do. Yeah, I'll be sitting that one out. I don't even think I have that track. All right, tell us about what's going on with Twelve Hours of Bathurst solo run. Okay, so we just were talking about that quickly here to start the day. Um, or this afternoon, I guess, but uh, it was, I'm trying to find who was the one that asked uh, the questions. Do you remember, Mike? I don't think we know. Okay, so I guess it was brought up that uh, someone asked if he could use two accounts um, for it, and I guess it's been confirmed by Nemcross that, yes, you can use two accounts um, to run the race if you have to. Um, I guess another one we were talking about popular that was going to do it would be Matt Malone was going to use both his accounts to do it or whatever. Um, some other racers here. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Well, it's against the rules, but all of a sudden they're going to allow it. Um, so we got the you know chief steward saying in writing that it's going to be allowed. We're going to let you do this. Now, he does stipulate it has to be your account. So it can't be somebody else's account, okay? Um, and then there were other people that were saying, well, well, that means they got to exit the sim and they got to get back into sim under another account, and so that's going to be slow. And and then there's other people that said, oh, they'll just get a really good computer and they'll launch the sim twice from two separate browsers that were signed in with two different users, and and then they won't have to exit the sim; they just switch to the other one, and all this crazy stuff. But it's still a driver switch, so I'm not sure what they're all worried about. The only thing that I don't like about that is it takes the dynamic of, you know, someone that goes into a race and does that. Okay, so say it's a guy that's really, really good road racer. It takes the dynamic of having two different, um, you know, like our team when we raced at Daytona, we had all kinds of different road racing levels to experience. And if you got a guy that's just really good and, and only stays in there for 12 hours, and then you got another guy that he's competing against, has one of one of each it, it, it makes it unfair to a point i mean obviously the guy that does 12 hours that's a lot of racing it's a lot to do to your body there's a reason that real professional drivers don't do it so i don't know why you'd want to be straining your eyes for 12 hours on a sim but good luck yeah i wouldn't try it you'd like one of those porter john potties well who knows i mean they, they maybe they're uh doing it like a, a a charity thing i think i remember uh Last year, for one of the 24s, I read somewhere that one one fella 
did the 24 knowing full well that, you know, it's, he's going to get disqualified, but he was, um, you know, he, he was doing it for charity, raising money. Oh, that, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that, but I'm guessing the people that are asking was because, you know, they want to do this for their own reasons, not, you know, charity reasons, one thing. Well, what's the difference? The difference is being DQ'd at the end or not being DQ'd because it is a team event. And so basically it's, they're saying, okay, we'll allow you to finish officially without being DQ'd if you use your two of your own individual accounts. I'm wondering if they're okay with it because they're getting two, uh, two paychecks from that or two, uh, yeah, that's what script, I was thinking. You yeah. know, they're getting money times two, no matter what. Anyways, it's not a huge <laughs> burden in theirs. Well, Nim Cross went on to say, well, you know, I'm kind of worried by some of the people's commentary here that maybe this isn't a good idea, but we'll allow it and see how it goes. You know, we might not do this in the future, depending on, you know, what happens during the event. So if people take advantage of it in an unfair way, in some way, uh, they're going to put a shibosh on it. I bet you it gets kibosh then. Because, you know, there's always some, there's some advantage that someone's trying to find. And the, the crappy thing is, it's probably a lot like the peak deal where 75% of these people aren't even planning on running the race. They just are, are bitching the bitch because it, it's against the rules. Well, what happens if that guy that's, you know, on hour 9 or 10 of this solo run he's doing on two accounts does a quick nod off and misses a corner and smacks into somebody. Well, does he, you should get both accounts banned then. And then, <laughs> you know, like, like what, what do they do? Like it's, you know, that's a 12 hours of driving is a lot. I'm, I've been a truck driver for eight years now and driving for long periods of time is very hard on the body, no matter what you're doing, even if it's just sitting, it's the, the, the amount of exhaustion and, fatigue your eyes take from concentrating for periods of time you know you can have lap moments of judgment laps there we'll see how this goes uh certainly different all right chris uh late model showdown yep. next we have a, a forum post from drew Ad adamson yeah announcing the um, 2019 late model showdown uh, this is the uh, season opener for the world of outlaws craftsman late model series championship it's gonna be running here in a couple weeks, the uh, the weekend of February 22nd to 24th. Uh, there's gonna be four time slots. Uh, the first is uh, Friday at 8 p.m. The second is Saturday at 8 a.m. The next is Saturday at 12 p.m. And the last one is Sunday at 9 a.m. Those are all Eastern time. Yeah, D and above. Get it, guys. That looks like fun. It's, it's so it's so hard. Dude. You have it's it's a uh, Take skill to drive these cars, and I it's I wanted to do a lot of dirt stuff, but I'm just not good enough in the oval <laughs> yet to go run something else. And it's crazy um, what this sim takes. What uh, what do you guys make of them always in the incident limit part, putting to be determined? Like they're waiting for the community to decide it. Should they not wait? Do it ahead of time. I just think that they haven't had them before. Now they're they do. And they're coming up with them as these events happen. And they're obviously not deciding ahead of time. They're waiting to the last minute. But you think yeah. that they would talk to the community like, you know, a month in advance and say, here, what do you guys think? And then get, a, a, you know, at least get some knowledge from it that to start from. They have on some races, but there's so many, you know. I don't know. 
All right, let's keep moving. Uh, this is a reminder about the 24 hours at Charlotte Oval Race from Mission 22, uh, put on by OP Racing. Uh, and yes, you heard me, it is the cup car at Charlotte on an oval for 24 hours as a team event. The entry fee is a minimum donation of $10 directly to the Mission 22 via their website. That is a veteran suicide uh, situation that they're trying to raise money for. Uh, have one of your representatives from your team join the Facebook group OP Racing to get more information. All right, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, hardware software, Greg. VRS Direct Pro. So we reported a couple weeks ago, and I think it's a couple times over the last couple weeks about uh, VRS getting into the, I guess it's a version of Direct Drive Force Feedback, and Keegan Leahy was, uh, I guess, his part has been testing it. So uh, I'm not going to get too much into it here, but he, ha I will just uh, take a direct quote from him. Um, he goes, my first few times out on the track with the new wheel showed me just how useful this intuitive feel can be. I decided to take the NASCAR trucks out uh, on Lime Rock just to give the wheel a proper shakedown. I could immediately drive the truck extremely hard and feel confident that I could keep it under control. The extremely detailed force feedback allowed me to immediately catch and slide and I could always and I always knew what the truck wanted to do. Sometimes it feels like the wheel automatically corrected my mistakes before I even knew it. I made, or before I even knew I made them. But really, it's just the flow of the extra information that I'm using to subconsciously keep on the track. So, what do you guys think of uh, his comments here on their force feedback setup? Like, I don't know what a, the diff, I don't know what force feedback on, you know, a CSL or Fort Fanatec one compared, I don't know what the direct drive extra feels gives you, but it's interesting to hear his comments there. Well, it's what all people say about direct drives when they switch to one. It's about the same of what I've heard before. Um, and, and a reminder, this product is not an actual direct drive wheel. It's the software slash hardware uh, part that determines, you know, the force feedback. You still have to have the motor and a wheel separate from what VRS is offering, but um, but it is interesting. Um, I don't know. I wonder what the setup was that he was using. It'd be interesting to figure out what he was using to with that uh, hardware. I don't know how they're going to really be successful if they don't have a full product. This is just a portion of what you need, you know, and what do you match it up with? And you have to figure that out on your own and all this other problems that go with the, buying this. Maybe this is just one stage one of a couple things they do. Yeah, could be. Um, they are new to it, so we'll give them a break, obviously. All right, Brent, prescription VR. Yeah, this is going to be extremely helpful for our VR users here. A uh, company over in Europe create called VR Lens Lab is able to come up with a uh, solution to users who have contacts or, or glasses, specifically glasses, and they have trouble with the VR headsets. So they created, basically, it's a sunglasses type that you wear, um, but they come with clear lenses inside of them. And these these fit your HTC Vive, your Oculus Rift, and your PlayStation VR lenses. I priced out the specs for just some of the bare minimums of them, and it seems to be right around 80 euros but you go in, you just you just import your um, prescription when you're getting started with these on their website, and it 
shoots out everything that you need. So if you're looking for some glasses for your VR headsets to make your experience that much better, check these guys out. That's VR Lens Lab. Yeah, wow. These, yeah, these things are freaking awesome. I didn't know they existed until last week. And I'm not 100% sure, Brent. I haven't looked into them that much. But I don't even think they're like glasses at all. You, you clip them over top of the lenses inside the headset and just leave them there from what I understand. So you yeah, basically, um, yeah. On one of their, I don't know if it's the, I think it's the Oculus on one of them, you do that. Or there's an option to where you can, it's just like a elastic band that wraps around your head where you can just wear these like your normal glasses if you wanted to. So you have two options with them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, somebody had mentioned that. That makes sense then, because somebody had told me that there's a separate website that sells some kind of other type of clip deal or anything. And so I haven't really shopped for it much, but man, yeah, this is this is incredible. Because I, I don't, for myself, I get my contacts get super super dry. You know, when you're you don't blink much when you're racing. So. <laughs> I wear glasses, and so that's always been something one reason why I don't want to do VR, and so this would fix that. Yeah, they say you can. Most of the headsets are designed so you can wear glasses, but I think it would have to be just the right pair because I can't see doing it. It sounds terrible. Well, there, I think people they try and make those headsets glass friendly so that you know these sites can't. You know, this is a this is a, a company finding a a need out in the market and, and capitalizing on it where I think these, you know, some of these, you know, like Oculus and HTV Vive and PlayStation would rather, you know, people not be going somewhere else to get something for their VR headset as an add-on. I think that's why they try and do that, right? Yeah, I would think so. And even if you don't have those headsets that we listed, there is a comment section when you're ordering these glasses, it says other headset that you use. So you, if you, any type of headset that you're using, go ahead and, um, enter this in there, this information in there, and they'll get in touch with you, hopefully, to see if they can make it. I wonder if they do the, like, coding to protect your eyes from the, the blue they light do, yes. on the screen. Yep. Oh, they that's do. awesome. Yep. Even if you don't have a prescription, you know, you might want to get that, just because staring at an Oculus Rift for 12 hours, if you're running that 12 hours of Sebring, yeah. you know. But What an Good awesome point. product. What an awesome product, though. Yep, that's vrlenslab.com. With dashes between the words. All right. Uh, next up, Professional Three Pedals. This is a website that's demracingsimulators.com. And they got these pedals uh, for 890 euros. Uh, it's a linear potentiometer combined with a spring to detect the pressure of the throttle and clutch and a 100 kilogram load cell on the brake pedal for a, to simulate a rear racing car. And what's neat about these pedals is they, they have some bright colors that you can pick from. White, red, black, or uh, bright yellow. And I just love the color of it. But, uh, man, they look really nice. Uh, pretty expensive, though, for a load cell. Yeah, about $1,000. I was just looking at these, like, when I first brought the image up, it's like, it reminds me of, like, old Kinect stuff that you would build from the way that they look when they draws to your eyes. The colors and stuff but it looks like a really well-made product they're yeah all to, metal it looks like they're trying to save a lot of weight by making oh, i guess never mind it's actually adjustability if you look at all that from a side angle here there's a lot of adjustability in where the pedal can sit and the uh actual pedal uh that you put your foot on yeah like you said it can go up and down and uh the, there's tilt built into it so you can tilt it a certain way and it's very nice to see more more of these companies coming out for your products it helps 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, so check out that website. They do have other stuff, uh, I, but the pedals kind of caught my eye. But they do sell uh, rims, bases, uh, other adapters and whatnot, um, but the pedals seem to be their big thing. Yeah, those are pretty sweet. Nice professional setup. Yeah. Looks like they do have a base one, too. Uh-huh. One on a base. Oh, it's a formula set. Never mind. Yeah, they have a base on here. It looks like a direct drive base, 990 euros. But it says it's no longer in stock. Okay, Mason, the BMW M8 GTE wheel. Yes, uh, F1simgames.com has a wheel. It's called the BMW M8 GTE carbon wheel. Um, it looks kind of like a Y um, with four dials in the middle and about eight buttons up each side, actually five buttons in the middle, sorry. And it comes with an aluminum carrying case, uh, in case you want to take it and play with friends. Um, there is a carbon fiber front plate, back plate, and shifter paddles, and it has real suede leather grips. Um, so it looks like a, a pretty solid wheel there from F1 Sim Games. I couldn't find a price, um, but they do have some other Sim hardware, some other Sim wheels, um, some Audi wheels, uh, Mercedes wheels, and some button boxes. I think it was 1300 if I recall, from the post on the forums I found it on. It's, it's got the BMW logo right in the middle. My question is, is it actually sanctioned by BMW? I'm guessing it's got to be. Like it it's must be. be. To have, I mean, they're showing that the logo, logo everywhere. Well, I feel hope. like it has to be. You'd hope so. And I think it's uh, literally a carbon copy of the BMW GT wheel for the M8. This is exactly what it looks like. And it is kind of a different design. It's not your normal formula design. As Mason stated, it kind of looks like a Y. And it's really cut down, so to speak. And I think maybe, Brent, you were telling me the reason they do that is for weight. They're just trying to cut weight off of it. I'm sure anything, when you know rotational mass, the better, you know, the faster you can turn, right? The less that's there to turn is better, right? You know how with a traditional F1 wheel, you have kind of yoke off each side, the left and right that you're grabbing. These yokes are kind of turned up towards the top a bit, uh, so it gives it a different look. The other thing is it's interesting that it's a G or an M8 GTE rim, which is the speculation of the cup or the road car that's coming. You stole my thunder. <laughs> Sorry, Mason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the next car that's going to come. That's my speculation, and it'd be nice to have this rim with it. Yeah, 1300 bucks. I love the case. Just the case alone looks pretty cool. All right, let's do some rig review. Uh, Tony Rochette, who's first? Yeah, we got a review from uh, Gary Tall. Um, man, that's a beautiful 8020 rig with some really, really nice stuff on there. Uh, he's got a SimLab P1 with a, a DIY pedal set, uh, Sim Steering, a 52 motor, uh, Pro System Throttle and Brake with the uh, Hydraulic clutch. Um, there's a variety of steering wheels that are on the on the front part of this rig. It kind of kind of reminds me of like a baker's rack. Yeah, he's got an eighty twenty baker's rack. That's a perfect description. It's like five six feet tall. It sits in front of the rig. The pedals are kind of in the bottom part of the baker's rack, uh, but above it. He's got, you know, a shelf for the PC and for the direct drive, uh, you know, power supply. He's got all his different uh, formula wheels 
hanging off the edge of it. You know, there's a hanger for each one. And I don't think I've ever seen a setup like this before where, you know, you have like the baker's rack, like Tony calls it. A whole lot of stuff in an extremely compact setup. Do you guys notice um, he's got a, a thing for a mouse, but there's no mouse there. It's like it's a trackball with... With a couple of buttons, uh, it's built in just above it. Yeah, wow. it's like that that uh, that golf game, that golf arcade game where you, you, know, you spin the <laughs> hell out of that ball. ball. Yeah, yeah. I want to know where he Man, got that's that. That's badass. Pretty, that's pretty cool. That's Actually, I think I've seen that before. Uh, Bino uh, has created that on his rig, and and he has posted in the past how to create that. I bet that's a copy of one of Bino's things. But yeah, I have seen that before, and. Boy, what a setup. Look at the wheel, too. It's got a display right in the middle of it. That's a gorgeous rim. Like, that that just is, like, one of the nicest rims I've seen with the way the display and everything is on. I want to know what where that rim is from. Well, he just read the uh, part list. What was this wheel? Tony? What wheel is it? Uh, it says he's got a variety of wheels. A couple of Simu uh, Js and a few other that you bought or self-made. So I wonder if that's a self-made wheel with the display in the middle. It says sim use something on the display. But, uh, boy, and then the button boxes off on the left and right. I mean, those are really nice. And, uh, yeah, pedals. He's got the handbrake over on the edge. He's got the fans up above with a, a tracker. He's got the nice cup holder. The other thing is, do you guys notice, he, he's obviously a two-footer racer here because he's got uh, a very big gap between his brake and his throttle. And, of course, a GS5 motion seat with a harness. I mean, boy, I'm very impressed. All right, next rig review, uh, Tony Groves. Uh, who do we got? Yeah, this one comes uh, from Remco Hitman. And I got to say, that's one of the best names ever. Um, now, does this guy work for own Huskenveld? He's associated with them. I think so, yes. Okay, so he, he posted up... Uh, kind of like a walk around of his man cave. You can find that on YouTube. Um, and, you know, he's got a very bare bones type rig setup. It's all 80, 20. Um, and it's a, like an F1 style. It's got the small bucket seat and it's angled right really back. Really back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I, I wasn't all that like excited about it. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, we, we've seen quite a few of these type of rigs. Um, it is a D-Box motion setup. Now, the part that really caught me was his seatbelt mod that he made for this. So he's got a, right right behind his rig, he's got another piece of that uh, 8020 aluminum kind of bolted to the wall. And all his um, his, his, his seatbelt harness runs through the backside of it. And it, it's attached to actually a couple of springs from, um, you know, like a, tension spring or a return spring from a like a screen door um right so he's got yeah, tension on him like a real steering uh you know seat belt well yes but so when the yeah when uh when the d-box is activated and you know he breaks it it, it kind of lurches forward or he's um you know going through different elevation changes and, and stuff like that you can you can feel it on the uh, on the seat belt and uh oh I, that's right as the d-box moves up those seats would belts would get tighter, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. He said, <laughs> and he said like it's just crazy for immersion, obviously. But you know, here's a thirty dollar 
he he said it was 30 bucks if you buy the springs brand new or you run to your grandparents house and rip them off their screen door when they're not looking um that, that's a hell of a mod i got really excited over that i was gonna say there had to be something in there <laughs> just yeah, his shifters are pretty unique too he's got one that's kind of on the steering column like a traditional park reverse neutral drive shifter i don't know what it looks funky Maybe dirt cars. Look at like the uh, uh, eight forty mark or eight thirty mark. It's a but, weird uh, design for it. Like a, it's just kind of odd. It's like driving a, an automatic car. Well then, yeah. If you look down by the the side shifter, he's um, well, he's got it mounted right tight to the seat, and he said he did that on purpose so he couldn't miss shift into uh, reverse and stuff because it's really hard for him to get it in there. Um, but just kind of sitting back from that is this really small button box and it's got um just four unlabeled buttons on the top and then he said if you reach down to the bottom underneath there's another four um and i guess you know you got to keep it simple because he's he runs this all in vr so it, you got to do everything by feel but i thought that was um another neat little modification he did to his rig there just to to be able to have those options unconventional placement for buttons yeah yeah absolutely I I just listened to that video and he said it's for the windshield wipers on and off. <laughs> nice. All right, Rimco Hitman, good rig. I gotta love it. Let's keep moving. Uh, say uh, Mason speed test. All right, so uh, Mike shared this link with us because um, he's been trying to figure out what's what's going up with his computer here, um, and it's a website called userbenchmark.com. And what you do is you download their uh, test run, and it's an executable, and you run it, and it gives you um, a ranking um, against other people's machines of similar uh, quality with similar parts. Um, so Mike's stuff, unfortunately, sorry Mike, your stuff was coming in a little low. Uh, your graphics card was a little below, and your your uh, hard drive was a little below. Um, but your your i7 was right in the middle, so that was pretty good. But we got to figure out what's going on with your your graphics card there and why it's not performing as well as some others. I think. Yeah, forty eighth percentile or something is what it says, and uh, but it still rates the overall hardware as UFO is what my rating was. And uh, Mason, you were all listed as a UFO as well. Now Tony and Tony, you ran your results and. Uh, it said yacht on Tony, <laughs> and, and on the other Tonys it said jet ski and sailboat. Well, yes, uh, for as like a workstation and whatever the middle one was, I don't remember. Um, it was uh, yeah, desktop and workstation. Mine was a yacht, but my gaming was an aircraft carrier. Now, nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm running you know old stuff. Uh, my, all my, most of my hardware minus my, my video card is, you know, is if four or five years old. So I would, that's kind of what I expected. Yeah, I know. I need an update. Yeah. I think if you get another, uh, eight gigs of Ram in there, that might help out a little bit too. Yeah. Tony, yours is saying jet ski. It's not horrible. And we got Bobby Jonas is up here as well on our teammate and his is, you know, blowing us off the charts too. Except for yeah, his, he's a uh, UFO. Yeah, now, my, now the truth is, my ratings are actually higher than Bobby's. 
Uh, if you read across from gaming to desktop to workstation, I'm at 133, 133%, 151, and 136. And then Bobby's at 114, 134, and 114. It looks like his memory, too, is not performing as well as it could be. So this website is userbenchmark.com. You download a simple executable. You run it. It opens a website and shows you the results. It takes like oh, two minutes. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, just make sure that everything's off that you can turn off. Like, uh, uh, but I'm probably going to get a, I'm going to get a load. I'm going to get a low score here. I say oh. low, but lower. Yeah, yeah I definitely... ran it twice. I turned everything off like Mason uh, mentioned, and it did raise my scores quite a bit by having everything turned off. I, I didn't do that with mine, so I if I turn mine off, I'm not going to bother because I don't care, but um, I could probably get a little bit better of a score. Yeah, it looks well, like I went up about 8% by turning everything off. You might get to be the Titanic. I don't need the Titanic, man. I don't need this thing to sink. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving. Next up is a uh, item called OVR Drop, and this is an app that allows you to uh, overlay within VR. So if you have uh, a, a VR goggles that you want to overlay, like Joel Real Timing or something like that, into the display. You can actually use this utility to do that. It's a utility app for stream VR that can mirror a desktop window, an entire monitor, or a webcam into a cross-game Steam VR overlay. So what do you guys think who have goggles? Is this something you would use or need? Well, I was actually able to get my uh, Sim Racing app in my uh, PlayStation VR that I've been playing around with for the last week. All right. And how did you do that with the with the software that came with it? Oh no, it just runs off of Steam. Um, just slide the window over into the into the VR side and just uh, adjust it. I'll have to get with you later on that because I messed with for like an hour. I couldn't get anything to work right. <laughs> I might have to check out this app. Or something I don't know. Yeah, it says here that it supports the Vive and the Rift. So I don't know if it works with the PlayStation thing, but yeah, Chris, you might give this a shot. Yeah, I think uh, our teammate David Hall, he said that there's ways to do it using um, Rift's software, but I, it just it fails on me every time. I can't seem to, I mean, it might be user error, but I haven't been able to get it to work, and I definitely miss some racing apps. I'll say it's on sale until uh, February 11th. It's uh, 1049, 30% off right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, if this, this one doesn't work, then they screw it. But, yeah, it's, like it's worth a shot for sure. Yeah, 30% off. All right. Um, hey, before we move on here, uh, I just, it took like two minutes to run that thing, and I'm guessing UFO means good? Yeah. That <laughs> was UFO across the board. All right, good. Then you're good. All right, Mason, Sage Karam needs your help. Yeah, I need to figure out how to link this post better, um, because it's in uh, one of the Facebook groups I'm in, but uh, Sage Karam, uh, IndyCar driver, uh, was posting up in that group saying he's thinking about making an old indie car wheel into a sim wheel he said where does he start uh, where are the key electronics that go into this and what are some places i can look to get stuff for it uh, any help is appreciated so hit him up with your suggestions um it's all it is is a uh, piece of metal with the the looks like rubber hand grips or leather hand grips um, looks very comfortable um, but he already has the labels on it tony grove so unfortunately you can't help him out <laughs> 
Everybody was thinking the same thing there. He's got holes cut out where the buttons will be, but he doesn't have actual buttons in there. So he's got to put buttons in, he's got to wire it, the whole thing. Get the hub, get the shifters. So he got 42 comments on the Facebook post about what to do. So, boy, if you're uh, interested in, you know, converting a real race wheel to a sim racing wheel, this might be a good uh, discussion to follow. There's so many opportunities to create your own stuff nowadays, too. Eh? It's it's amazing what you can do now. Yeah, that's on Facebook at iRacing Drivers World, which is a great group. All right, uh, Chris Gales, Turn R1 Pro Steering Wheel. Yep, a new steering wheel by um, Turn Racing at TurnRacing.com uh, called the yeah, Turn 1 Pro. And I guess it's called a turn because it, it basically looks like a U. So we had a, a Y-shaped wheel, and, and now we have a U. But um, 180 bucks for just the metal and foam and goes up to like 1100 bucks from there. Uh, I guess we have a couple of teammates that are interested in this. I really don't know why. Did you guys catch that chat? It doesn't look like much to me. And they keep giving me pop-ups telling me who bought their rim a month ago. <laughs> Yeah, I found this because Bobby uh, Jonas was telling David Hall to buy this wheel. Um, and, uh, wow, it, I mean, as you said, as you add the buttons and the bells and whistles, it gets expensive quick. Yeah, like, so I, don't, I don't really see much here, but if, if Bobby recommends it, then it's, it's probably worth it because he knows his stuff. So they charge $35 for their sticker layover, for the prints of the sticker layover here. See, oh, for the middle, if you want to do your yeah. own thing. There you go, uh, Tony. Get into the business. Thirty-five bucks for layover or for labels. Yeah, I could totally do it for ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their big wheel is fifteen hundred dollars. It's called the Turn Four Eight Eight GTE Sim Steering Wheel, and uh, it looks pretty nice. It doesn't look much different than any of the other fifteen hundred dollar wheels we've talked about in recent weeks, though. But uh, very impressive. Uh, so check them out at TurnRacing.com. Uh, Tony Groves, uh, HPP Pedal Army. Yeah, actually, I meant to talk to Mason to, to get a little bit more about this. Cause, um, well, it, it's a picture up on their on uh, HPP Simulation Facebook with like a ton of uh pedals and it looks like they're ready to ship out now i'm not sure if you know these are already ordered and they're just getting shipped out so people you know can get all excited for their for their new stuff or this is what they got to sell um anyways yeah it's it's there's quite a few quite a few pedals in this picture yeah, about two dozen or so i would i would guess these are already sold and they're going out yeah like in a, the ba a batch in the comments they're saying some people ordered them in december so they're finally coming out they uh if you click on their link hpp simulation facebook page they have uh, also a nice wheel down there too oh it's like uh it's like oh yeah a... we looked at this last year yeah this is a year old oh, okay sorry <laughs> but it's another formula wheel yeah they're all over man i can't believe how many there are all right uh tony rochette sim dashboard yeah, it looks like you can uh, download on your Google uh, Play Store the Sim Dashboard. Um, looks like I'm actually downloading it right now. Uh, looks like it's free, but only for a limited time. 
there's a time limit. Uh, you can create your personal layouts, move and scale your own widgets, change the colors, um, use your own graphics. Uh, there's a bunch of cool templates, over 200 widgets, uh, easy to pair with your PC. Um, you can actually use it as a, a button box. There's a live trap, uh, yeah. track maps, um, RPM LED bars, and a whole bunch of other neat little bells and whistles on this thing. So I actually used to use this, and uh, unless they've changed things, they'd limit you to how much, how many widgets you could uh, customize. And I think it was, I, I want to think it was three, um, without paying for the for the app. Um, I actually almost bought this app, and then I found sim racing apps because um, it, it does it works it does work very well. I was really impressed. It was one of the best ones that I had tried, um, you know, with my phone and stuff. And this is for Android, obviously, for Google, because it's Google Play, right? Yeah, I um, want to think they might have an Apple equivalent. I can't remember if I used it on my work phone or not. I usually do because my work phone's a little bigger than my personal. Um, I just don't remember. All right. Well, if you got an Android phone, uh, check out Sim Dashboard and give it a shot. I mean, from the video that they show, the the dashes look pretty cool. There's a lot to choose from. It it looks like you have to pay for some of them, though. Yeah, being I'll able, definitely try it out. Being able to scale the widgets was uh, is what I found was really nice and handy. Um, and you know, just make it your own basically and um, very user friendly as well. All right, and we're running out of time, so we're going to jump right into final thoughts. Brent McCoy. All right, give me one second here. I was not prepared for this. Um, final thoughts. Looking forward to getting my uh, Derek Spears buck or uh, button box. Getting the Race King LED come in. Now that it's um, that I bought that, I'm looking at ways to mount that on a desk. So if anyone has any recommendations for mounting that on the desk, they don't make the uh, or I have not found the dashboard for my wheelbase that I've been looking for. So if you would, anybody's got any suggestions with that, send that into the iRacers Lounge at gmail.com and have the uh, couple league races coming up. So That's the good one that's got like a bunch of buttons, right? Yeah, 37 or 34, I believe it is. Wow. Plus and it's some LED, got LED covered up, flip so. switches. Yep, it's got four covered flip switches and all lit up, so. And you just plug it into USB and yep. that's it? Yep. All right, let's get that baby mounted. Uh, Chris Scales, final thoughts? Same as every week for the last month, just waiting for NIS to hurry up and start. So close. Just one more week. And now we even have a couple new teammates to race with, too. So hurry up. Yeah, seven days until the Daytona 500. So, no, six days. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Um, just looking forward to uh, getting ready to close out the, or you know start the championship run here for the OBRL. Um, it was a disappointing week last week on some bad decisions, and I was able to get through uh, through that race without an incident. So I'll start the next race fine and uh, go from there. I'm also looking forward to the NIS season, which is I couldn't believe that it would already start next week. The way uh, when someone brought that up on our uh, messenger. Um, I'd also like to, uh, I know David Hall was wanting to post something this week about, uh, he won his first LMP race. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Good. And win. I can't remember 
he didn't post it in here, so I just want to give a shout out. Congratulations to uh, David Hall for winning his uh, first LMP race. Uh, he was pretty excited about it. That's uh, a tough car. Yes, it is, and he he's been trying at it for a while here. So congratulations, David. Um, and like I said, anybody that wants to follow me while I'm racing here, I'll be on um, my Twitch page, which would be twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus two K's. Um, I also will be starting back up what I did last season through most of it on our Facebook page for Tafosi Racing. Um, I will be giving tutorial runs around every track and my thoughts and what strategies for the week. So look forward to those on the page. All right, very good. Uh, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yep, I'm running the uh, OSRA race tomorrow night at Daytona 07. Hopefully it goes better than the previous ones. Uh, we keep getting wrecked at the beginning of the race and towing. It's, that's getting frustrating at the old uh, at the old super speedways. I'm also going to be running the majors uh, this weekend as well with Brent McCoy uh, going for the Daytona 500 with the cup car. So should be a lot of fun. All right, very good. Uh, Tony Groves, final thought. Uh, boy, I'm tired this week, and I haven't even plugged in my sim, uh, my uh, my rig at all. I had to miss the uh, the old Bastards race this, this week because of work, and I'm doing everything I can not to miss next week's. Uh, I haven't done anything. It sucks. I got nothing else to talk about. Okay, well, that makes it easy. Tony Rochette, final thoughts. Yeah, same thing with Mason. I'm doing the OSRA uh, race tomorrow night. Just hopefully he doesn't wreck me. Um, can't wait to start the NIS season next week with the Daytona 500, and hopefully it'll be a great season. Yes, it will be a good season. We got a good team. Uh, and special guest, Bill Hull, uh, your final thoughts. Yeah, just uh, appreciate being part of the team and look forward to a great 2019 and NIS and a lot of other things. Uh, so we're running out of time to get prepared for that, but looking forward to it. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. And uh, my final thoughts, yeah, we're done recruiting. We just added uh, three new people to our team. Uh, we're ready for Daytona 500, and it's coming soon. Uh, we have a set uh, that some of the guys have been working on. Uh, I've run it a couple times and hosted it. It appears to be acceptable. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it's not special or anything, but it's going to keep up. So I'm uh, definitely encouraged. I think that's all we need. Uh, hopefully I can get in a uh, split with some teammates, and if not, we'll just have to see what we can do. Because it's a full list, uh, full distance race, you know, I'm not expected to get a lot of starts. And so I hope that it goes well and I don't get wrecked out, and, and we'll start off the season on the right foot with a good finish, uh, even though I'm kind of hoping for a win. But I think with that, me, uh, me, you, and Mason will be around the same most of the season, Mike. Yeah, I hope so, and um, and I hope we have other teammates that have been kind of waiting in the weeds uh, step up and join us here for the season. So, uh, with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.